Welcome to the Do Not Listen to This Podcast show. I'm your host, Roger. And this is Podcast. 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 That's right. I, <laughs> this is the first time on the podcast, podcast. I've actually had a, that I've actually had a guest. Um, hi. Uh, and this is Bob Nickman. Bob, say hi. Hello, Roger. <laughs> Bob great is to be here. Bob is a, a, a very talented actor, writer, uh, comedian, um, geez, musician, and, and also award-winning podcaster. I have not won any awards for podcasting, no. Oh, yeah. No, see, that's what we do. On this show, we actually give out awards. So you, you're now award-winning. And you can say, now, award-winning. Well, why don't I feel any better? <laughs> <laughs> well, because that's really, that's, awards should not make anybody feel better, right? Well, it's, yours didn't, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It, it literally, the, 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 uh, the waveform just stayed flat. Exactly. <laughs> award so, or no award, I feel exactly the same. But thank you for, the, for bestowing upon me. Actually, the, the award or reward would be the first guest. That, that's, yeah, well, you got that too. So either, it's a, it's either I, I mean something or there's no one else, but either way. No, no, there were other people. <laughs> I, I put you first one. because, uh, you know, uh, for people that don't know, Bob and I, and that, we've known each other now for almost 30 years, 29 years. I, I met Bob when I was producing a live radio program with comedians and had him on the show. And that's how, yeah. we, became, that's how we became friends. And Bob, what was great about Bob, just so you know, back in the day when comedy was the thing, Bob was a comics comic. I mean, Bob, when, when Bob would perform, all of the other comics would just stop and watch. And that was a, a rare feat. They, they would watch the audience leave. <laughs> no, no, they would. Like, use, and, and Bob was able to do some of the darkest comedy and have people like him. And, and that's why I, I fell in love with him. Oh, thank you. He's a very talented guy. So, um, Bob, so this show is to kind of help artists to understand how to think like a business person and for business people to help how to understand creatives. And uh, I usually like to tell a story, but since I have a guest, maybe you can tell a story that might be inspiring to them. Well, I, like I was telling you before we started the uh, push the record button, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, this is as a I guess I'll call myself the artist piece of this. Okay. Talk to business people about something I think sometimes is um, something they don't even think about because a lot of people don't think about it, which is intuition. Oh, yeah. That's great. Instinct and intuition. Um, you know, they don't teach that in business school. I would say that did you ever take any classes that, about intuition? Uh, only on which which your, classes which classes that you had to register. no in your in the MBA no, piece absolutely of it. not no the, it, no it was not. numbers and and that's right charts and you know how to close deals maybe I don't know what they do do in there uh, statistics all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. it's very you know uh, valuable yet very dry and it doesn't it doesn't give you that extra sort of um, factor in being successful. And I That's think right. a lot of people that are very successful follow something called intuition and instinct, which is, you know, in those, in those quiet moments when you're sitting around and just sort of being, what are you fantasizing, dreaming about? Uh, what, what is the, that inner part of you saying, boy, you know what I'd really like to do if there were no barriers and right. no obstacles? Don't put those barriers up before you start thinking about this stuff. Now, um, when I was 
back when I was a musician, uh, and not a good one, <laughs> <laughs> like an okay one. I was but, playing in bar bands, but the but comedy you, thing. You were on I was stage. Okay. You were doing fine. I was on stage. Yeah, yeah. I made my. You little, were. Little you were not. Up. You were getting stage time. Yes, and I remember uh, a comedy club opened in the city I was in, and I was I had been doing some sort of comedic stuff with the band I was in, um, but there was a guy. This is so funny because I just saw the guy on Facebook. I hadn't seen him in 45 years, whatever, right. 40 years. He was a guy I went to college with, and he, was in, he lived in my dorm. And I remember him saying to me, he went to a, there was a, a comedian that had come to the college and performed. Right. And he said, um, it was Bob Saget, actually. Oh, wow. And he said, the guy is really funny. His name's Bob Saget. I just saw him at the student union. You should do that, Bob. You're as funny as this guy, knowing you, just around. And I remember saying to him, no, that's not what I'm <laughs> going to do. Now, this, is this, we, uh, we, Bob and I both went to Ohio University, but at different times, is this when you were at Ohio University? Yes. So yes. you, so they weren't teaching the stand-up comedy class like no. I No. Oh, the, gosh, no. I never even class. really, the only... No, not at all. It was yeah. 1972. Yeah, so you were a little, yeah, you were a little ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah, there was no, there was nothing, none of that. It wasn't even considered a real, you know, right. option like it is now where there's thousands of these people that do it. But I, here's the thing. When I was a little kid, I'll tell you something. When I used to watch comedians on television, I used to get so excited when these adults would come on right. and, act, and act silly. I didn't know that that was an option as a child because no adults acted that way. They were all teachers and, you know, parents that were, you know, in careers and jobs. It was, you know, being adult to me meant you got to be serious and not that much fun. Right. And so when I see these guys on TV, and I'll say women too, but it was mostly men. It was mostly men. And, the they, would, and they would come up there and they'd be funny. I would like, I would get excited. I'd be like, wow. Uh, I didn't know that you could do that as a thing. Right. But then I thought because of the way I was raised and where I was raised in Ohio, that that wasn't an option. So I shut it down. Did not follow my intuition at that point. Was, didn't think it was an option. Was afraid. Mm -hmm. Didn't think it was okay. And then this guy said it to me in college. And I said it again, but there was a part of me. I said no again, but there was a part of me that went, well, why couldn't I do that? But then I just didn't you know right. um because but, of training and beliefs and um you know a guy from seed, ohio doesn't do that whatever the thinking yeah. one and the seed got but the seed got planted and it sounds like on the second time it was like chipped away a little bit yes it went up another you know 10 right. 15 percent of possibility sure and so um when i was playing music in columbus ohio a comedy club opened right and they had uh, a night where they had open mics and I'd been doing some funny stuff with the band, you know, comedic sort of bits in between songs and we dress up and we do all kinds of crazy stuff. Right. And I thought, well, so I started going there and watching the professionals that would come in from Los Angeles. And I would, I got that feeling again, that intuitive feeling like this is something I really want to do. Mm -hmm. And so on one of the open mics, I went, I'm going to try it. And I did, and I caught the bug. Now, long story short, that became a career coupled with, you know, obviously tons of traveling and hard work and failing and getting back up again and all that stuff. 
but in all fairness, you, you went to Boston right after that, right? Um, I did, I did um, two, two years, I think, on the road. Right. Out of, living in, out of Columbus. And then right. I thought, well, I need to find a training ground where I don't have to travel so much. Right. There's more of a comedy scene because there was not much. There was no, no there- comedy in Columbus, Ohio, in the Midwest, those were the newest, the newest clubs. Right. I did not feel ready or confident enough to go to New York or Los Angeles. So I thought, let me find a great city that, where you can work a lot, not have to travel so much, but the scene is much more um, vibrant. So, you know, let's talk about Boston for a second, because a lot of people don't really understand how powerful Boston was as a comedy center in those days, and also as a music center. A, a lot of great bands came out of there at the time you were there, and a lot of great comedians. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I don't know anything about the music piece of it. Uh, I wasn't doing music at that right. point. I had stopped. You know, I mean, I played a little bit in, in my stand-up act, but not. it wasn't you know, like a music thing. But I went to Boston, and it was a, a scene that was created by... This was way before corporate comedy and... Right. Big time television and sitcoms and you know you know I mean th- those existed, but it wasn't a, it wasn't like it is now where there you know these every city is almost like a farm team for for the corporate thing. Right. This was a scene created by comedians for themselves for the pure artistry and excitement of doing it. And, and, and some pretty was, and some pretty uh, big ones, right? Well, yeah. I mean the the you know there was. Um, when I got there, it was um, guys like Lenny Clark and Steve Sweeney and right. uh, Stephen Wright and Bobcat Goldthwaite and yeah. um, Kevin Meany. And um, Kevin Meany was just one of the funniest. Yeah, and one and the main the main sort of guy that kind of started a lot of the scene there was a guy named Barry Crimmins who recently passed. Yeah, he away. just passed away, right? He just had uh, he did cancer or something. He did. Yeah. He did. yeah. yeah. And he literally came to Boston out of New York. He had been doing a little club in um, upstate New York, and he moved to Boston, and he got this Chinese restaurant to agree (laughs) to um, do stand-up. And he created a whole scene there at this place called the Ding Ho, which was a Chinese uh, restaurant and comedy club. Right. There was another sort of club there, but this was a club club run by comics for comics. It wasn't like there was a club owner. And Barry sort of created this, fostered this um, creativity and uh, the idea of be different than everybody else, be unique, take right. chances, be brave. Don't you? And um, that, almost it, it like was, similar to a startup incubator, to be honest with you, right now. If you yes. Think, you know, it was. Well, that's, that's exactly what it was. And everyone was encouraged to be different than anybody else, just no. be yourself. Right. Basically, follow your intuition on a creative thing. Don't be like other people people you know let's so that's talk what let's talk happened. it was uh it was a scene that just created all i'm sorry i'm interrupting you no but, no no uh, I, it's okay i was just gonna say expand on that a little bit i think what a lot of people on uh linkedin because linkedin just added video last year so a lot of people are doing video and i think what a lot of people are struggling with um and it, you know it's it's fine is finding their voice their point of view um you know that you yeah feel. and so maybe if you talk a little bit about how how you found out your point of view and, and, and your ability to just perform and deliver a consistent message, that would be helpful to them too, I think. You know, that is a, actually a good analogy for, for business, I would think, yes. is, you know, how to become a, a stand-up that's unique. That's right. Know? It's the same thing. So 
and uh, it, it really is. I never really thought about it that way. I guess maybe I did because I said, let's go with intuition. But sure. the idea of, um, you know, um, who am I? Uh, how am I the same or different and different than other people? What do I have to offer that other people don't? What about me makes other people want to uh, use my services or be, you know, part of what I do? Right. Uh, don't shy away from that stuff. Now, here's the piece of it that's hard. It's scary because there's failure. Right. That there's going to be a certain amount of failure, like going uh, on stage or creating, uh, you know, aspects to a business. Some of those things aren't going to work. That's right. It doesn't mean you failed. It just means you know, you fail. You fail again. You fail again. You fail again, and you failure. Failure all. You fail yourself all the way to success. Well, that's right. So, so that's a hard piece because it's, it's embarrassing. It can be embarrassing. It can be humiliating. It can be disheartening. I'm talking about, you know, I, probably less so with business if you're selling a product rather than just yourself uh, as a stand-up, but I maybe think much, not. I think much harder as a person because it's you and you know you're going to personalize it yeah. even till right. even even once you get the tools to you know what when when i used to coach actors i used to say look people are going to like you people are going to not like you and but most of them are going to be in between most of yeah. them are not going to have an opinion one way or the other but don't be too excited by the people that really like you and don't be too bummed out by the people that don't yeah, so it really is a process of just doing this, the same thing over and over again and being um, honest about what's working and what isn't. Get feedback from other people. Don't, you know, if you can put your, your own sort of ego out of the way, I mean, you need an ego to do anything because you, you're saying what I'm doing is important enough to be out there. Right. But also go to find the people that know, know more than you do and ask them a lot of questions. Like, is this working? Is that working? Why not? What would you do? You don't have to take the advice necessarily, but it's always really valuable to, to do that. Uh, well, no, you're right. Cause and I mean, constantly be reassessing what you're doing and well, that's being right. hard on yourself in a positive way. Not, well, not, uh, because fear, fear, like I, when I did the first test of this, I was all about fear. It was about the, I said, the reason why I call the show the do not listen to this podcast show is I think that's the fear of everybody that does a podcast is that they're going to do it and nobody's going to listen to it. Right. So that may, yeah, that so is my, one possibility. Yeah. So my logic was if I name it this way uh, and we don't have listeners, we're a success out of the box. We, and we, have, and we <laughs> are, true. we have billions of people, billions of people are not listening to this podcast. and that makes They don't even know it exists, do they? They don't, they don't have a clue. And that's how successful we are. Just but it had to start somewhere. I mean, yeah. you know, the most successful people weren't born with the success. Right. They, they went and got it. You know, I, I wasn't born knowing how to do stand up. I had to go do it. You Let's know? talk so, about pivots because you did stand up. And, and like I said, I met you in LA, but then you made the pivot from being doing standup to being a comedy writer on a TV show. Yeah. Um, and that's a big change. Talk a little bit about that kind of difference and what it was like to be doing work by yourself. And then all of a sudden be in a room with a bunch of people that didn't have everybody's interest at heart. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it was a different sort of thing, but I, I you know, as the, uh, at the time, uh, the, when the stand-up thing started to become less lucrative, less places to play, um, I and the lifestyle was not suiting to me. You know, I was uh, I was um, 
hating travel. I didn't want to be away from home. Right. Um, the lifestyle was kind of beating me up. And I realized, you know, and I, I had had people tell me, uh, look, watching me do stand up, have you ever thought about writing? You're a really good writer. Now, right. my first instinct was, well, fuck you. I'm a performer. <laughs> yeah, Tell right. me I'm a shitty performer. Right. That's not what they were saying. They were saying <laughs> your writing is really good. It was actually, you know, I was a better writer than a performer. But I, it, I was, interesting. It's interesting, right? How, how we can't hear compliments. Right? No, I didn't hear it at all. Yeah. No, that's very. Uh, my ego was like, no, 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 no. And I literally was walking down the street one day and um, Roseanne and, and uh, at the time Tom Arnold, um, right. who used to watch me do stand-up, uh, were parked there and we started talking and they were kind of hinting that I should be a writer. I, what I didn't see because I was, I was in my own way was that they were basically offering me a job. Right. I didn't know. They were just feeling me out to see if I'd be interested. And that uh, was... That was a great show. I mean, I, yeah. I, I used to love coming to, to have lunch with you there when you were doing that show. It was just yeah. a fantastic so vibe. That's where another time where I didn't really listen and I didn't follow what was happening. I, I wasn't paying attention enough. My, my sort of focus was on this one thing that I've been doing for a long time. Right. Then as the bottom started to fall out of the stand-up scene at the time, I mean, I, I believe it's come back quite a bit, but... Um, I call and Tom Arnold was getting a show and I called him up something I'd never done before. Call somebody up and ask him for a job. I mean, right. I called yeah. clubs for bookings and stuff, but, and he called me back and he said, uh, uh, well, my show is staffed and you can start on Roseanne in, you know, right after the first of the year, this was in December. Right. And that's how I got my first job and I, uh, my first writing job. And I basically kind of went in terrified, didn't know how to do it. And learned on the job, followed that, followed that one, and just set, went. All right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to. And, and but not only that, I started to write scripts on my own because I right. knew if I didn't learn how to do that, um, they weren't going to give me a shot at doing that. There was, you know, so right. Um, I took that. I think it was the first or first summer after I worked there, the first hiatus. I wrote a script or two, right. trying to learn on my own. And so when. When you, you know, and you had a great career, and one of the things I always admired about you was that you had a business sense. You know, you did I? Yeah, you did. You would always oh. talk about. I mean, you maybe didn't realize it, but you know, you if you were on the show, you knew the show was going to end. So you you knew because shows end, right? You didn't know when it was going to end, but you were always yeah. you always had something in development. You always had something else that you were working. Well, on. I, w I wish I could say that I was better at that. Um, I think that it's always, I think it's always a good thing to have multiple things irons in the fire. Right. Um, I was a little lazy in terms of that. I would say, I mean, I, I you know, if you're talking to people starting a business or running a business. You know, I remember going to this. Um, it was like a business conference. I forgot I did this. <laughs> um, and the guy said, you know, every time there's a new technology or a new invention of some kind, you want to look at it, not just for what it is, but what are the tentacles that can come off of that? What are the possibilities right. that this new thing has? And th open your mind to those possibilities. You know, if it's uh, obviously you know, the idea of 
you know, an app on your phone that's a calendar. Well, what else can I do with an app? And right. of course, that's become this huge thing, thing and right. people are still doing that. Right. I saw one the other day and I put it on my phone. It's called, um, I, I thought this was such a brilliant thing. It's not even a money-making thing. It's a service app. Right. Um, it's called Be My Eyes. And there was a guy, uh, I forget what country he's from. He's not from the United States. Um, he has um, um, he has tunnel vision, which okay. is getting worse. And he created this app which connects people with um, who are going who are blind with sighted people on an app. Oh, that's so interesting. They, let's, yeah. So basically, let's say you you want to put on a. I mean, they have videos if you want to check it out. But sure. like this person is going out for the evening. Right. They don't know. They don't know what sweater is the red one or the brown one. Right. So they call you and they go and they pulled the phone up. And Hold as a sighted it. person, you say it's the one on the right and the person hopefully, touched. Hopefully you you go, that's the sweater them. you should yeah. wear. Hopefully you or, don't mess with them. Hopefully you don't say, well, yeah, that, that, yeah. Yeah. well that, that's called cruel be my yeah, eyes. That's, exactly. that's, that's, that's the one you're going to start. No, no, no. I wouldn't do that. And also, like, for example, let's say it's two in the morning and someone's having a problem in the United States. Well, in England, they're awake. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So they might connect them that way. And Let, there's, I think there's 80,000 um, people um, that, you know, need the service. And I think they have over like, it was a tremendous amount of uh, people volunteering, like a million or something. It's incredible. That's great. Now let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your podcast and what's going on with that and what you've been doing. Cause I think it's really unique. So why don't you explain a little bit about what that is and, and I'll make sure that there's a link and in, to the podcast as well. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I started, uh, I don't know when a while back. And of course, um, it was based on, uh, it's called uh, The Exploding Human with Bob Nickman. And it's not about people blowing up. It's about people. It's a great uh, title, though. Expanding. Right. Uh, it's about, it's, it's in the health field, but it's a body, mind, spirit. I interview um, different practitioners, a lot of alternative people, therapists, people who've overcome challenges, um, you know, anything that has to do with people, uh, helping people to uh, explore uh, leading a better life. And uh, the ways uh, they do that, you know, whether it's uh, meditation or diet and exercise or therapies or meditations, you know, did I say meditation? Yeah. I think I said it twice. But you've been doing uh, that. You've been doing it now for a couple of years, right? Not that long. No, not that long. I probably I not thought, even a year, not oh, even a year. And I, you know, I had a lot of um, and still do I have some some trouble with it. You know, there's tech, you know, trouble being it's really the wrong word. Challenges things I've had to learn along the way and um, equipment and editing right. and um, getting guests and being consistently putting out the podcast. I mean, these are right. all things that, that are still challenges. I still haven't figured out a way or haven't done what's necessary to make money with it, which is right. fine. I mean, I'm doing it as a labor of love initially. Right. I don't know where it's going to go, right. uh, but it was an instinct where I went, you know, um, many years ago, and I decided to change my lifestyle from a party animal to somebody who was healthy. Right. I had to find a lot of these things on my own. There was nobody sort of, you know, there were no podcasts. Right. There was no directory and, of. So, I, yeah. So now let's say, oh, I, you know, I want to meditate. I want to learn about the different types of meditation. Well, you know, tune into the podcast and I've got people that are talking about their their discipline and their their yeah you just did field one, of interest the one i heard was with the woman that uh, that had the fireplace 
Oh yeah, the meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sadie great. Adams. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Uh, that was see. Now that was an instinct. I, I had a friend. I told about the podcast. He was going to. Her, he goes to her meditation. Right. And he goes. You got to call Sadie and do. You know, uh, interview her. So I did. Yeah. And then I had one the other day. Talk about instinct, man. Okay, this was. I walked into the room. It was Memorial uh, Memorial Weekend. Right. My wife's watching a local show, interview show, and there's a guy on there who's a, a, a veteran who works with veterans' um, uh, suicide uh, uh, issues. Right. She goes, you got to see this guy, right? So I'm looking at him, and I'm, I literally, I caught the last two minutes. But it, there was something about this guy. My intuition was I really like what this guy's doing. Right. So all I heard was a website. I didn't know his name. I went on the website. This right. is all instinct. Sure. I see his picture. I see his email on there. I email the guy. He gets back to me. Two days later, we're doing a podcast yeah. with him about this topic. And uh, he brought another guy with him who was also a veteran who's a podcaster. So now I have this other connection. So right. following my instinct and my intuition, um, you know, it was just basically, I really like this guy. I want to interview him. And I just did the steps to do it. Yeah. And then the other stuff kind of falls into place. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know. And how many have you done now? I'm in the 20s. You yeah, know, I, so took a, I, I took a break uh, in the middle there for some, a variety of reasons where I, right. I kind of had to stop, but I'm back in it now. I'm doing but about that, one a week. I'm doing one a week. That's really good because that's got, that's enough, that, that's 20 behind you. That's enough to start to talk to potential sponsors and, and people that might put some. Is it? I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. I mean, that's what a lot of people don't understand, especially when you're doing something very niche, right? Like what you're doing is very niche, right? It's very yeah. health related and it's, uh, you know, most of those um, people don't have big budgets, right? Um, yeah. to market, but they have small budgets and that's just more than enough to, to, to do sponsorships and they should, you know, would you like to help me with that? I'll be more than happy to help you with that. <laughs> now, is it niche or niche? I call it niche. That's how I learned it. Niche. Right? But then now but, I hear people say niche. Right. But then, so what I like to do, there's, I've found out, uh, over the years of living outside of the United States that only one in seven people speak English. Right. Yeah. So we're the minority. And then there's, they just had, you know, all the people that correct spelling and grammar and all that stuff. They just found out about two years ago that that is a type of OCD. It's actually, uh, definitely, it's, it's a type of OCD. It's, Thank it's, you for saying that because I've always said like, cause people are like, no, it's this. No. I'm like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> we, we had, I had, we just had a, a we just did a, a, another thing on LinkedIn and I, made a funny because my name's Roger. So I did a, a the girl's name Chantel. I said, Chantel and me, right? Like Roger and me as a joke. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And somebody, somebody, came, well, it's Roger, it's Chantel and I, and I'm like, yeah. Uh, and I put a link to the OCD uh, pedantic, the disease that this is. And that I was once in a, in a writer's natural. room in a writer's room and somebody made it. it there was a joke in the script about, uh, this, the kid came in, it was on Roseanne, the kid came in and his, um, somebody had stolen his pants. <laughs> right. And somebody went, I see, I see uh, England, uh, what was it? What's the phrase? I see Paris, I see, I see France, I see I England, see. I, I see London, I see France, I see, I see DJ's underpants. underpants yeah, right? right, 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 right. So somebody says, well, 
you know, that that's the phrase, right? I see London, I see France. Right. Somebody goes, well, we can't do that because London's a city and France is a country. We need, oh they God. need to line up. Oh my so God. it should be, I see England, I see France. And then somebody goes, well, that's not the saying. And this <laughs> went on for like 25 minutes. And we, it, we, it wound up, we changed the actual thing. The real thing. You changed the, the real the, thing. The real thing was changed. To be grammatically correct. Yes. Well, yes. you know, it was funny because I... I was, I was uh, completely silent for a long, you know, through, through the whole discussion. <laughs> I will tell you my, watching. My, my story with grammar. So my grandmother on my dad's side was the first female teacher in Indiana. And she was a tough cookie, right? She was brutal. And she was an English teacher. And they, my uncles and everybody, they had to have perfect grammar, right? And... But with me, she said, look, don't, don't, you've got something interesting to say, so don't worry about grammar. And so I got a bit of a hall pass on it. And I, I break grammar rules all the time. Yeah. I, I just think it, if, it, if it gets attention and gets the point across, or in comedy, if it makes somebody laugh, then it's done its job. It really doesn't matter what the structure is. There's something about, you know, the proper way to do things that homogenizes and takes character and, and life out of things sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, the thing I hate, you got to be on the money, I think. You the, know? <laughs> the thing I hated when I was writing and producing the radio shows in Philly is you'd be at a dinner, right, with people that were not creative right? They'd be, you know, in insurance, right? And of course, they'd ask, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a writer. And they'd go, well, what have you written? Is there anything I would know? And I'm like, dude, I, <laughs> what do you do? You know, insurance? Is there any insurance I would know? You know, I mean, that kind of stuff. It's like the, the concept of getting paid for doing something creative is so foreign to so many of these business people that they have, they have trouble hiring people that are creative. Right. They also don't want to pay for it. Well, that's the other thing. They're cheap Charlies. They're, they're, you know, they want free stuff, right? And uh, they like to steal. So, well, Bob, is there any story, any story that you would like to leave the show with? Any? No. No? <laughs> that's good. That's the way to do it. No, you um, have I, no, I really don't have anything don't have specific. I'm, you know, I, we're, we're, so are you well, going to put this out somewhere? Well, this hold on. Uh, first of all, yes. I want to thank you for being on the show. No, don't thank me. <laughs> no, I'm thanking you. Uh, You're welcome. You may, I'll tell you, I learned something, and I will tell you what I learned is that doing a guest is a hell of a lot easier because I don't have to talk as much, which is nice. I cannot stand on my podcast that when I do my intros by myself, I can't right. stand because right. I, I just think, you know, what am I going to say now? What am I going to, and right. I even make notes and I still can't do it. <laughs> Just talking to somebody is so much easier. So you did a great job. And, and I, I, again, you're now an award-winning podcaster. Thank and, you for the award. And, uh, and I, I, I want you to know that billions of people have not listened to this episode. And they won't because you're not supposed to listen to That's the right. podcast. Right? That's Don't. Right. Do not Don't. listen to this podcast. Are we protecting ourselves from rejection by saying that's that? exactly that's another thing too, right? Is that I'm not right. rejected. Hey, I told you not to do it, and I actually uh, punish some of the people that do listen. I, I say, why'd you do that? Now, now I'll have to keep it going. If I have listeners, then I have to keep it going. If people don't listen, I can end it at any time. So, if you're listening to this uh, right now, you really screwed up. Yeah, you screwed up. You're messing up our whole uh, mojo here. 